You filled your belly. I couldn't eat another thing. I'm absolutely stuffed. Now fill your brain with lightning knowledge. What can I do to speed the whole thing up, doctor? This is Lightning Lunch, a full hour of lightning talk with lightninginsider.com's Eric Erlinson. Did you see the memo about this? On Lightning Power Play. Good afternoon. Welcome to this Wednesday, February the 12th edition of Lightning Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. Eric Rowlandson from lightninginsider.com, your host. And boy, do we have a lot to touch on today. Again, probably not going to squeeze it all in, but we will do our best to take care of it all because there's just layers and layers and layers of stuff to digest coming out of last night's game in Pittsburgh. Uh, we are going to have Corey Long from NHL.com join us in about 25 minutes to kind of help break all of that down as well. So uh, if you have comments, you have questions, get them in now. Paul and Bob have chimed in already uh, with a couple of questions in regards to what we saw, not just at the Lightning game last night, but also the very scary and unfortunate situation that took place in Anaheim as St. Louis Blues defenseman Jay Bomeister uh, passed out on the bench, uh, had a cardiac situation uh, on the St. Louis bench in the middle of the first period of the game out in Anaheim. Uh, fortunately, it sounds like he is okay. Uh, Doug Armstrong, the general manager of the Blues, is supposed to give an update, provide an update uh, at some point this afternoon to uh, let everybody know uh, Bo Meester's situation. But uh, the reports coming out of last night were that he was responsive, he, he was conscious uh, and everything else uh, as they were able to uh, get to him right on the bench and, and take care of that situation and get him to the hospital. Uh, and it does sound as if he's at least in stable condition. Um, out in California, that game was postponed in the first period. A makeup date will be provided at some point. Um, the right decision, obviously, to take care of that and um, – you know, we've seen this a few times in the league. Most recently, Rich Peverly from the Dallas Stars, who had the same sort of situation. Uh, Yuri Fisher also had uh, the uh, an issue with it as well. Um, you know, and it just kind of shows you the protocols that the league has in place, and that does tie into Bob's question. So uh, we'll get to that answer here in a little bit, but... Um, just a very, very scary, scary situation last night uh, was kind of breaking right as uh, myself and Greg Linelli were going off the air from the last call. So we weren't able to get too many <coughs> excuse me, details uh, in regards to um, what went on last night. So uh, it is um, uh, really good news that uh, Jane Bowmeister is at least, at least appears to be in stable condition. And again, if we get an update uh, from the Blues while we're on the air, I'll certainly pass that along to you because it was, uh, I can't imagine having been there uh, and seen that in person. I, you know, the number of games that I've witnessed in the NHL, um, I've never seen anything like that. I've seen players taken off on stretchers. Uh, Jamie Heward comes to mind uh, in Washington one night when he went headfirst into the boards. Uh, but nothing as critical, not that going headfirst into the boards is, you know, a day at the office, uh, but to have a cardiac situation 
on the bench like that is very, very scary to see. And, um, you know, kudos to the first responders who uh, are at the building. It's, it is something that every team in the league is required to have. They have medical personnel uh, stationed uh, down low behind the bench with easy access uh, to the locker room, the ice, or the, the bench area, as it was in this case. So good, good news um, in a scary situation for Jay Bomeister. Uh, all right, the game last night, uh, there's just so much to dissect from what was, again, I, I've seen a thousand, a thousand NHL games in my career, and I can't remember what you might classify as a guttier win than what we saw last night. For the Lightning, already undermanned, missing Steven Stamkos, Ryan McDonough, and Jan Ruda going into the game. Miss Anthony Sorelli, who blocked an Evgeny Malkin shot at the end of the first period. It's the second Lightning player to suffer an injury after blocking a Malkin shot. Uh, that's what happened to Ryan McDonough last week. And then at the end of the second period, seeing Nikita Kucherov hobble off to the locker room after what looked like a pretty innocuous hit from Jack Johnson. It, it did not look dirty. It did not look out of place. It did not have that feel. It didn't even look that awkward to be honest, in in how that took place. And yet, it did something to Kucherov that kind of helped him hobble uh, or forced him to hobble all the way to the, the lighting bench, and he did not return. So you're, you're already missing Steven Stamkos. You're already... Missing Ryan McDonough. Now you're missing Sorelli, who's uh, been your shutdown uh, center. And then you miss your reigning MVP, and nobody hotter in the league right now than Nikita Kucherov when it comes to points. Extended his scoring streak to 12 games last night. Picked up an assist on Mikhail Sergachev's power play goal. Yes, they did score a power play goal. So now you have to finish the game with 10 forwards. Second time this year, the Lightning have been forced to finish a game with 10 forwards. Remember back in October, is it October, November? Against Chicago, they started the game, they dressed 7 to D and 11 forwards for that game. And that was a game that Nikita Kucherov missed because of injury. And then... You lost Steven Stamkos for the final two periods, so they had, to they had to play the final two periods of that game in Chicago with 10 forwards. So, and, and this took place, by the way, in a building that has not been kind to Tampa Bay through the years. They don't win very often up there, especially in the Sidney Crosby area, era. The Lightning, just, they just don't win games there. So 
for them to pick up that overtime win, just to get the game to overtime, was impressive enough. Had to kill off two third-period power plays for the Penguins, including one with four and a half minutes to go. You know, and, and I and I, I spoke with Greg last night during the postgame show, which you can hear myself and Greg after road games, by the way. We spoke about how the 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 look and feel of this team is different this year because at some point you're going to go through offensive slumps, right? As a team, regular season you're going to have sure you're you're the lightning, you're going to have nine goal games. We've seen that this year. You're going to have eight goal games. We've seen that this year. <clears throat> but more often than not, especially when you start to get towards this parts of the season approaching the trade deadline and then the final month as you look forward to April, the offensive chances just seem to start to dissipate. And that's going to happen in the postseason as well. So, if you have a defensive mindset, a defensive structure, if you will, an understanding of areas on how to protect the ice... That is something you can always, always fall back on. And when we talk about this team last year, when they were an offensive juggernaut, it was the offense that led them to a 62-win season. And they pushed at the end. So, you know, you had some habits that weren't there when you got to the postseason. And then it just it started so easy for them with a three-goal uh, three first period against Columbus. And then, of course, we, we know what happened after that. Um, we don't need to revisit that history. We did plenty of that yesterday and the day before with the first visit in Columbus. But now you have, the Lightning have, this structure and this understanding of how to play on defense. That's a a big reason why you can try and get through a game like last night. Your goalie is important, and Andre Vasilevsky was certainly a big part of that last night, including that just unbelievable save he made on Brian Rust on a two-on-one. But when you have the structure, when you have the understanding of how to keep stuff, for the most part, to the outside... When you have, you know, you can fall back into, and, and I'm not, for the, for the lack of a better word, go into a shell. And it's not going into a shell, but it's, that's, when I think of what a, a structure looks like, I think of that. We, you know, people who know me know that I'm a soccer guy. So you hear that going to a defensive shell sometimes. So that's kind of how, that's the image that I have in my head as we talk about their structure. But they can they can fall back into that and then everything everything goes from there. Right? Everything goes from that structure. Your offense drives from that structure, from the understanding and how to play. And that's a big reason why with a depleted lineup in a hostile building 
that you can find a way to give yourself a chance to win a game like last night. And that's, not, that's what that was. And the Penguins did not score a five-on-five five goal. Their only goal came on the power play. Right? It was a, a rebound off of a Sidney Crosby shot that Evgeny Malkin made a great play to pounce on the loose puck and, and beat Andre Vasilevsky. So they did not score a five-on-five five goal, and that's where, again, we talk about this. <clears throat> you know, five-on-five, five, Pittsburgh had 38 shot attempts, and 20 of those came in the third period, which is not a surprise, right, because of the way that game was shaping out. So they only had 18 even-strength shot attempts for the first two period. And then you, you need your goalie to help you out a little bit in the third. Again, Penguins had 25, sorry, 22 scoring chances in the game, which is a little high from a Lightning standpoint, but 10 of those did come in the third. 22 to 20 is what they ended up being for the game. So even in the third period, the Lightning had six scoring chances, despite only having 13 even strength shot attempts. So there's that, there's that understanding and that structure that you can give yourself a chance to win a game when you're depleted like they were. And these are not – and look, I, I'm Penguins fans, I'm sure there's none listening, but if there are, they're probably rolling their eyes because of the situations the Penguins have had to go through this year with the injuries to Malkin and Crosby and Latang and uh, Jake Gensel and Brian DeMoulin and, and that list uh, of players that they're missing and have missed. I think at some point I read somewhere they had – $40 million or $30 million on injured reserve, cap hit-wise. But you're missing your top defensive defenseman, Ryan McDonough, who's a big part of the penalty kill. You're missing your all-star Rocket Richard winning center, who has been just as hot as anybody in the league of late. Missed Monday's game, missed last night. And then you lose your shutdown center who just dominated Sidney Crosby five-on-five five, five days earlier when the Penguins were here in Tampa and Anthony Sorelli. And then you lose the hottest player in the league, scoring-wise, in Nikita Kucherov. And, and so these are key, key players to your lineup that you're missing. And we'll get to what that meant for the rest of the team uh, here in a minute. But just an absolute gutsy, gutsy win. I think I heard that phrase tossed around a few times in the postgame comments in the locker room. Um, so just just a, a really gutty win. All right, let's take a break. Um, we'll, I'm going to talk about a couple of the unheralded um, – performances from last night, and also the monkey-off-your-back, big sigh of relief moment experienced by Yanni Gord and what took place right before that. We'll touch on that when we come back right after this. Can't get enough lightning talk? Log on to lightninginsider.com for more puck pontification. Oh, if, 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 uh, if, if, uh, if, yeah, if, if we... If, oh, if... 
Oh, look, it's quite simple. More Lightning Lunch with Eric Erlinson on Lightning Power Play. All right, welcome back to Lightning Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Eric Erlinson, lightninginsider.com, your host. Uh, don't forget, we got Corey Long coming up in about 10 minutes or so uh, to talk about uh, everything that took place last night because there's just an awful lot to digest. I mean, it was just a lot to digest. And I want to get to, first of all, the Yanni Gord goal. And again, as I've been trying to let many people know, that even though Yanni Gord wasn't scoring, and I, and I know there are some people who cannot separate contract from how a player is playing, you, you just want production. And Yanni Gord was not producing. But he was doing so many other things to help the team win. His forecheck, his penalty killing, his tenaciousness, all the attributes that make Yanni Gord, Yanni Gord are there. They've been there. They've never disappeared. Even as he went through this extended scoring drought. It's 34 games heading into last night. 35 games heading into last night. And it, it, to show this, go back and look at the tape from last night's game in the final shift of regulation. There's an icing call. Brings a face-off back into the Tampa Bay zone. So it's it's Yanni Gord, Mitchell Stevens, and I believe Alex Kalorn as the lines were all just shuffled around because they're only playing with 10 at that point. So it's an offensive, it's a defensive zone draw, and Pittsburgh wins the puck. Go look at how Yanni Gord battled Sidney Crosby. I mean, he absolutely battled Sidney Crosby. And twice, Gord won the puck. Once he did lose the puck, but it is Sidney Crosby. But twice, he out-battled Sidney Crosby in the defensive zone. Does that look like a player who is not giving you his all? I even had it last night because Yanni Gord took the penalty, an offensive zone, Hooking call, an, un an un unnecessary one to be sure. And of course, somebody show up in my timeline. Is there not anybody better at the American Hockey League level than Yanni Gord? Watch the, watch the, watch him play. Just watch him play. Isolate him if you want. But because he makes five million dollars a year. Well, now he sucks, right? Because he's not producing and he makes a lot of money. That's why, and I know I have this debate with Greg all the time, you have to separate contract from production. And it can be hard. For some people it can be difficult because in a cap world, Yanni Gore got paid because he's a two-time 20-goal scorer. And right now, you're not even guaranteed to reach 10. So I get it. But... I don't. I don't look at that. I, we we've had the same debate regarding you know, Ryan Callahan for a couple years, and now we know why Ryan Callahan's production dropped. But in Yanni Gord's case, he's still a young man, twenty-seven years old, and he just continues to work and 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 work and
because that's who he is. That's what got him to the NHL level. That's what got him here, was that work ethic. So for a player who hasn't scored since November the 25th, gets the overtime game winner, and he, he scored what essentially is a goal scorer's goal. Because again, watch, watch the tape on that. First of all, it's a great play by Braden Point to elude Evgeny Malkin and open up the passing lane. But for a player in Gord who hasn't scored again in 20, 35 games, he didn't panic. He didn't just throw the puck on net. He held the puck. He was patient with it. Waited for Matt Murray to drop. And then as soon as Matt Murray's shoulder dropped, bang, puck went right in the upper corner. Top shelf. You can see the elation for the, the team. You could see... How relieved Yanni Gord was. Go check out the Instagram. The Lightning's Instagram account. And you can see it in Gord's face as he gets back to his locker stall. And then I want to give you this quote that came from Yanni last night. After the game as he talked about the goal. Also, did, did you see the the uh, the tweet from Yanni's wife? All it said is hallelujah. So it was weighing on him. I You know, I've told you this before. When I've talked to him, it was weighing on him. It absolutely was. You could read it on his face after practices or whatnot. First of all, this is the quote from Victor Hedman in regards to, to Gord scoring. Everyone in this room, we're a family in here. It's tough when you have a guy go through a stretch like that. You know how much pressure he puts on himself to score goals, but you can be a difference maker in other ways. When you go that many games without scoring a goal, it's not, it's not human if it's not in the back of your head. We're so happy for him. End quote. That's from Victor Hedman. And then this is the quote from Yanni Gord. From about 10 to 20 games without scoring, you think about it every single day. After that, you start focusing on different things, how to help this team win. I know I'm better than just scoring goals. I think I can be effective and relevant to this team even when I'm not scoring. So I was trying to take a lot of pride in every little detail of my game, trying to be good on the penalty kill, be good on the forward check, try and bring some energy, finish my hits. Those are the kind of things I need to bring every single night. Even though I don't score, those are things people in this room are looking for, and I was doing that. I was trying to do that. I was trying to put my best effort every single night out there for my teammates in here. It was a long stretch. It's not always easy, but I'm glad I finally, I'm glad I scored that goal finally. End quote. So again, all those little things that we've talked about during the scoring drought that Yanni Gore continues to bring to the lineup. He was finally, finally rewarded, and now you have to hope this sort of opens up the floodgates for him a little bit. Now, the shift, if you will, that led to that game-winning goal 
Mitchell Stevens, Mikhail Sergachev, and Andre Pilat were stuck out on the ice for about two and a half minutes. And remember, <laughs> overtime is only five minutes. So they were pretty much stuck in their own end for almost the entire or for half of overtime. There was a defensive zone draw. The Penguins won. That's why we talk about puck possession and how much it means in overtime. They could not get a hold of the puck. Andre Vasilevsky could not cover the puck. Penguins only had one shot attempt in overtime, and it came during the shift. But the shift was at roughly two and a half minutes. They were so gassed, all three of them. They were so exhausted by the end of that shift that when they finally got control of the puck, there's a potential two-on-one with Mikhail Sergachev and Andre Palat. And Sergachev got to the red line and just passed off to Palat, <laughs> which tells you how tired he was. And then Palat stayed on the ice for a few more seconds to try and be an option for Victor Hedman, who was able to get onto the ice as Sergachev came off. Uh, and then once he realized it wasn't coming to him, he got off, and they made the entire chain. So you're able to get all three of those Lightning players off and, and brought out uh, Yanni Gord, Braden Point, and Victor Hedman with the game-winning shift. But pinned in their own end for two and a half minutes with no stoppage. The average shift, average shift in the NHL is about 45 to 50 seconds. So we're talking about three times, about three times the length of a normal shift, if not more. And in fact, Mikhail Sergachev was so gassed, again, we're going to speculate on this, so we're not 100% sure, but it sure looked that way, that when he got to the bench, he turned around and he either threw up or he had the dry heaves. Neither of which are fun. I don't know how many out there have experienced dry heaves. They suck. They suck because you have to go through the entire experience of vomiting without anything actually coming up. Because, you know, when you vomit, sometimes you tend to feel a little bit better after that happens, right? So he was doing one of the two. And then Palat... You know, when you score the overtime winning goal, you see players just flood off the bench to go congratulate either A, the goalie, or B, the goal scorer. But Andre Pilat was still hunched over the boards. Couldn't, just couldn't find the energy right away to get up out on the ice to be part of the celebration. And Sergachev never made it there. <laughs> we, were, we were trying to find evidence last night of whether Sergeyev joined the celebration. He did not. You can see in the one video that the team put out on their account, you can see it towards the end. You can just see the top of Sergeyev's helmet go across and head back to the locker room. So he was just so exhausted, he couldn't even get into the celebration after the game. Uh, he was fine. He did talk to the media afterwards, so we know he's fine. But what a gutty, gutty shift by those three players. And what a performance by Mitchell Stevens. 
Very, very impressive. This is what happens when you play a game like this and you're short players. It offers the opportunity for somebody else to step up and take on some more minutes in the game. And that was Mitchell Stevens last night. He finished with about 18 minutes. Granted, about two of those came in that overtime shift. But his performance on the po uh, penalty kill and that, that late power play opportunity that the Penguins had was just fantastic work. You're starting to see his game really start to shine. Because we always look for young players when they first come up, they make, their, they make their NHL debut, there's a spike in their play and their performance because you're, you're running on that adrenaline and understanding that you've made it to the NHL. And then there's always a drop. Always. It doesn't matter who you are. There's always a drop. And then the question is, where, where do they, how far do they drop down and where's the plateau? And can they build it back up after that? I think we're in the process of Mitchell Stevens jumping it back up. And because of the injuries last night, he stood out to me in a lot of ways for his performance, taking on some of those minutes, especially on the penalty kill, with Anthony Sorelli not available. He ended up playing about three, a little over three minutes on the penalty kill last night, including having to kill off two third-period power plays in a tie game against a power play that includes Chris Letang, Sidney Crosby, and Evgeny Malkin. So that's two games now against the Penguins where the, the Lightning penalty kill has been outstanding because, remember, they killed off about 90 seconds of a five-on-three last week when they were here. So, um, all right. Let's, uh, let's take another break. We're going to get Corey Long on the phone uh, when we come back, and we'll get some of his thoughts on what he saw last night as well. So we'll do that when we come back right after this. That's all. That's all? Don't you know what this is? This is Lightning Lunch. I don't care. Oh, I wouldn't do that. I really wouldn't. A full hour of Lightning Talk. On Lightning Power Play. Always goes wrong when we come to the dessert. <laughs> Always. All right, welcome back to Lightning Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. Eric Rollinson, LightningInsider.com, your host. And uh, to help us kind of digest everything that we saw from last night's game uh, from NHL.com, our good friend Corey Long joins us now on the other end of the phone lines. And, Corey, appreciate you coming on here uh, today and just – as you sort of dissect everything that took place in last night's game, what are there anything in particular that stands out to you and how the Lightning were able to pull that victory out? Well, first of all, <laughs> excuse me, guys. I'm a, as I told Eric, I'm a little sick today, so I sound I don't sound great. But uh, <clears throat> first of all, I thought that there was just some, at times, some dynamic goaltending, at times, some dynamic luck. I mean, uh you know, Vasilevsky and, and Murray, for that matter, made some tremendous saves. And they also got some tremendous breaks uh, with pucks dinging off the crossbar and off the post. And it was, you know, for a 2-1 overtime game, I mean, it was, it, you know, it easily could have been 7-6 to six if you had, you know, if the goalies were just a bit off. But they were both on their game last night. There was just a lot of, you know, a, a typical lightning thing with the game. I mean, I don't, you know, it's as much as, as much as, you know, I feel like the Lightning have tried to 
really change their style and defense. There's certain teams you just you just you just get caught in a you just get caught in a track race with because they're you know the Penguins more than willing to play that style. So, but uh, you know, it was uh, I thought it was just a tremendous uh, tremendous goaltending on both sides. Well, in um, well, in, in you mentioned the defensive play. Like this is two straight games now against you know the, the one style against Columbus on Monday was a a hard fought tight game as yeah. well, low scoring. Uh, and the Lightning were able to play that game. But I even think their defensive structure, for the most part, uh, especially in the third period, was so strong in that game that they, you know, even though the Penguins had the puck quite a bit in the third period, they had a couple of looks, and that's going to happen when you've got a Crosby and Malkin and that group yeah. on the ice. But for the most part, I think their, their defensive structure was just so solid in that game. I think that's becoming their identity now. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree. I don't. Yeah, I don't think they... I mean, they played a bad defensive game. I just think at times they got caught in a track meet, and that that allowed a lot of you know that that allowed just some rushes on both sides, and, and that happens. You know, like you said, against a team like the Penguins, you're, you're going to give up something. You're too talented for you not to. But no, I thought you know they go from a very a very gritty game, a very gritty win against uh, Columbus to a game that you know in the second part of a back to back, you know you worried. I mean, obviously the you know, obviously the, the Penguins were going to come out. They were going to try to play fast. They were going to try to, you know, get the get a, get a team with some tired legs. And, uh, you know, the, the Lightning were able to withstand it. You know, and part of that, like I said, is dynamic goaltending. But, you know, they were able to withstand it. Hey, Gord gets on the goal sheet for the first time in, what, 34 games? 35? Yeah, yeah, first goal in 35 games. Uh, unbelievable moment, really, for, for a guy who – uh, is coming off back-to-back 20-goal seasons, and uh, to, to dry up the offense like that, I was talking about it in, in the previous segment, um, you got to feel so good for him. And the way he scored it, like uh, a lot of guys, you know, if you're squeezing the stick, if it's been that long, you might panic and just try and get that shot on goal as quick as possible. He remained patient, wait for Murray to drop, and found the hole. I mean, that's, that's a sign of a goal scorer, and that's uh, – you know, I don't want to say a goal scorer's goal, but that's a goal scorer's mentality to wait for that to open up, and that was pretty impressive considering the drought he's been on. Yeah, and uh, you know, you can clearly see by his reaction after the goal that it it, it, it is such a weight lifted off his chest. You know, not only was it a game winner, you're excited. Uh, you know, you know, and keeping it, keeping this winning win streak going, but that was a clearly a weight off his chest, and it was a weight off his teammates' chest too. I think they were. Probably as happy for him as he was for himself. Yeah, I because think... he's you know he's played he's played well. He's done what they've asked him to do. He's now getting fourth line minutes, so he's not getting a ton of minutes each game. But you know he's still working hard. He's still working exceptionally hard. Yeah, and, and I think the the his teammates recognize that, right? Because you read some of the comments coming out of the room uh, from Victor Hedman in particular. I shared that quote with the listeners a little bit earlier. Um, and then to see the way they reacted on the ice, uh, at least those who <laughs> still had something in the tank to be able to get on the ice yeah. uh, because of that shift that preceded the goal. But you could see it. And, and you know, I, I know there's a lot of people, uh, not just in the team, and, uh, you know, a lot of people that follow this team could see that that was wearing on him. It was. He's such yeah. a happy-go-lucky kid. Uh, not even a kid. He's 27 years old. Uh, a player, you know, he, that's his uh, attitude towards life. And, you can see him come off the ice after a morning skate or after practice, and he just had this look of just frustration on his face. It was really good to see that that lifted off. Um, 
Again, we're joined here by Corey Long from NHL.com. All right, I haven't touched much on this, uh, Corey, but uh, I did mention that, of course, McDonough is out, Jan Rude is out, Steven Stankos has missed the last couple of games, Anthony Sorelli went down last night, Nikita Kucherov went down. Neither of those players came back. Um, every team has to go through injuries. Um, doesn't sound like anything is long-term with any of these. We don't have an official update on Kucherov or Sorelli from last night, but should there be concern that all these injuries are coming together at the same time? Well, yeah, I mean, you're always, I mean, you, you know, you got two significant injuries on your defensive end that are not, you know, not long-term, but they're not short. And the last thing you can afford is for, you know, a bunch of forwards to go down. I mean, obviously this, this organization has some forward depth, but they don't have, there ain't just not another Nikita Kucherov in the in, in the system right now. No. And there's probably not another Anthony Sorelli in the system right now. No. So, and we know there's another Steven Stamkos in the system right now. So, you know, it, it's one thing to lose forwards, nothing to lose the ones that you don't have, that you don't have, you can't really replace in the system. So, I mean, we'll see. Um, you know, we'll obviously, we'll know more tomorrow about where, you know, guys are. It's an off day, which is they need. And, you know, in some situations, you know, as I said, you know, they're not long-term injuries. Like, you know, Stamkos' injury, obviously, you know, didn't appear to be a long-term one. But one that was that they, significant enough that they didn't want to take the trip. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you sit back for a second and you say, you know what? Four days of maintenance probably doesn't isn't the worst thing right now for for Steven Stamkos. You know, yep, that's probably uh, isn't probably isn't a bad thing. Yeah, you know, if, a silver lining there for sure. It, yeah, if, if Kucherov and Sorelli miss a game, for example, say they miss Thursday's game, three days of maintenance probably isn't the worst thing for either one of those guys. You know, it's probably these probably you know these probably. You know, I, I understand that, you know, hockey is what it is compared to other sports, but, you know, and there's a lot of pride in playing the full 82, but, you know, the, the, you know, as, 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 the, as the world evolves, you know, I, I, I feel like eventually you'll see situations like load management coming to hockey as well. <laughs> because it's just, you know, because, it, cause it, cause, you know, the playoffs are the most important thing. You know, yeah. getting to the playoffs are important. The playoffs are a much more physical specimen than the regular season. You know, they're they're much different than the regular season now. You know, that's the thing that it's it's a totally different game. So you want your guys in there a little healthy. So maybe in the second half of maybe in the second half of the season, when you're in a situation like this, you know, the Lightning are in a pretty good position right now. Obviously, they haven't clinched anything yet, but they're in a solid position, and it's a <clears throat> you know, you got guys that. You don't want them to, you know, they don't, if, they, if, if they don't have to, if they don't have to play with certain sprains and bruises and, you know, and, you know, strains, then, you know, it's okay to give them that extra day off, that little extra time off, because they do have, the schedule is so tight for this second half. They got four back-to-backs in March, I believe, right? Yes, four straight weekends of back-to-backs. Yeah, so... The schedule is tight, and it's tight. So roster management, I think, is key. So you don't end up like it. You know, right now you got five, six guys on the bench uh, in, in February. You know, you don't want to have that situation in late March if you can help it. You know, I, I'm sitting there, and I, I don't want to. 
I hate to make the comparison, but I'm covering Philadelphia Phillies camp yesterday. And Joe Girardi is talking about the, the Phillies, you know, they things got ravaged with injuries last year. And he was talking about, you know, some injuries you can't, you can't do anything about, and they're going to happen. But he feels like, you know, injuries are fatigue. That's on them. That's on coaching staff. And it's, all, it's their job to help players manage their workloads. Now, obviously, it's different sports, outdoor, summer, 162 games, 81, you know. So there's, there's little changes, but it's still a long schedule. You're still talking about managing your body, managing your managing your workload. So, you know, while load management hasn't come into hockey yet, and I know, you know, fans sometimes cringe when they hear that word. We're, it's a different world these days. It's a different world. It's a different game. And the most important thing is for teams to be as healthy as they can be going into the playoffs. So, you know, these, you know, injuries, you know, part of the reason why this team got swept last year was because of injuries of fatigue. Yep. You know, there were a lot of fatigue injuries on that team. And it, you know, and it caused the Victor Hedman to missing, you know, it caused Victor Hedman to be a step slow. It caused Anton Stroman to miss a couple of games. You know, it just, they, you know, it, you know, those were, those were injuries that probably could have been prevented down the stretch if they weren't trying to chase hockey records. Yeah. No, that's a good point, and, and we'll see if uh, that kind of comes into their mind uh, this year as they start to get down towards the end of the season. There's no records to chase this year. Um, no. There's, um, you know, there's, there's a lot to kind of keep an eye on in a bigger picture. Uh, and speaking of that, and last one here for you, Corey, one point behind the Boston Bruins now for the top overall spot in the league standing, not just the Atlantic, in the league standings. They passed the Washington Capitals now as well. Should Tampa Bay be concerned about that, or do you just let things play out and wherever things go, they go? You know how I feel about this. We've talked about this on many occasions. The second spot of the division is where you want to be, I think. But, <laughs> you know, it is what it is, I guess. You know, they we we I've covered this team for six years. So this is my sixth season, I think. Yeah, so they made the cup finals out of the second uh, spot in the division my first year. I think they uh, I think they were second division my second year. They went to the uh, they went to the conference finals. Then they were first. They, you know they were one of, they were their tops in the division my fourth year and went to the conference finals and. They were tops in the division last year and got swept in the first round. So, uh, you know, it, it, I guess at, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. I always look at things as a strategic situation. And, I, I, you know, and the funny thing is, I felt like back in the, you know, in the, in the cup final season, and even even in, the, even in the following year, that strategically they tried to stay in that 2-3 spot and play, especially that second year, play Detroit, mm-hmm. who they knew they were just so much better than. Yeah, I, you know, well, I, and the other thing, and I and I talked about this yesterday. One of the things that that happened last year was that it took until what the the next to last day of the season to figure out who they were going to play in the first round. Was it Columbus? Was it Carolina? Was it Montreal? Yeah. You know, so you, you have you don't have as much time to prepare. I think in this case, if you yeah. finish second or third in the division, you pretty much know it's it's one or two opponents, and you can kind of start to break things down. A little bit quicker, so uh, that's something to kind of keep an eye on as well. Uh, Corey, uh, get better, 
my friend. Um, we'll see you, you at the rink tomorrow, and uh, thanks for joining us. So we'll do this again next week. Absolutely. You take care, Easy. All right. Thanks, Corey. All right. That's Corey right. Long from NHL.com uh, helping us uh, dissect what he saw last night. I always love to get uh, his perspective. And, um, Connor, let's take let's take a break. Let's keep it a four-segment uh, today. Uh, we'll, so we'll take a quick break. We'll get to the questions and also uh, one little nugget to pass along that might have something to do with the injuries. We'll check on that one come back. Oh, we've got more lightning talk for you. You'll want to focus on the neglected food groups, such as the whipped group, the congealed group, and the chocotastic. This is Lightning Lunch with LightningInsider.com's Eric Erlinson. I can. Nay, I must eat everything I've always wanted. On Lightning Power Play. All right, welcome back to this last segment of Lightning Lunch here on Wednesday, February the 12th. Um, want to squeeze in these questions before we have to sign off for this afternoon. But before we do, that little nugget I told you about, the Lightning have assigned forward Alexei Lapanov from Orlando to Syracuse, probably a precursor to at least one call-up, at least one call-up, um, based on Sorelli and Kucherov's leaving last night. Remember, they were only carrying 12 forwards to begin with. You lost two last night. That drops you to 10. Cam Cameron Gauntz is the only healthy scratch right now as a defenseman. So I would have to imagine that we are going to get at least one call-up from Syracuse. Uh, I don't know who it is. As I've mentioned to you before, probably won't know until after 5 o'clock. Cap purposes these these announcements are made official after the close of business for today so that their first paycheck doesn't come until tomorrow so uh, again if there's going to be a call up I would imagine it'll be after 5 p.m. but with the call up of Laponoff to Syracuse from Orlando kind of gives you an idea that we're probably going to see at least one player recall we saw this last week with Ruda and McDonough going out right we had an idea that when uh, Oleg Sosanov was reassigned from Orlando to Syracuse that a pending transaction was going to come at the Tampa Bay level. So I would anticipate that is going to be the case as well. All right, I'm going to squeeze in these questions here uh, as I can uh, from Bob, who asked earlier about the situation involving Jay Bomeister last night. Uh, talk about the medical staff on teams and games and the availability is needed. Uh, obviously a serious event, absolutely pray for him. Again, uh, Doug Armstrong is supposed to give an update 3.30 Central Time this afternoon on Jay Bomeister's situation, but it does sound like he is at least in stable condition. But we'll get the update from him um, a little bit later. So, yes, every team in the league has medical staff positioned right behind the benches. And all every arena has access for those medical personnel, and there are, and every building has first responders as well. I pass by the uh, ambulance every day, every game day here. So there are first responders available as well. And they're close to ice level. And then, again, the doctors are right behind the benches. And as was pointed out, I think it was Darren Dreger's tweet I saw from earlier today, that... Every, before every preseason game, they go through a rehearsal, if you will, drill for this, and all the players are made aware 
of where the doctors are sitting, uh, the exact seat location. Those are all supposed to be known ahead of time so that when a situation like last night does arise and you saw it from the St. Louis players, they were pointed exactly where they knew medical personnel were and waving them frantically to come over the ice. You saw the players actually move the benches out of the way to allow more space and room uh, for those doctors to get their work in. So, uh, again, that is in every arena. Uh, and kudos again to the first responders and the doctors for um, being able to get to that quickly. Again, we've seen this from a couple of other situations through the past years. Uh, from Paul, what are the NHL rules when a team has more than three players on short-term injuries? Does a team have to put one on injured list to be able to bring up the fourth player from the AHL? Uh, you are only allowed to carry 23 active players. So that's, that's, your, that's your number. That's a number that you can be at at a maximum. So in this case, you know, the Lightning are still announcing Ryan McDonough as a healthy scratch. So they have not put him on IR. They have put Jan Ruda on IR. And, an, uh, and when, you put, when you put a player on an injured reserve, it means they have to miss a minimum seven days. So... But it can be retroactive, right? So Ryan McDonough, when and if he goes on IR, and I expect that to happen with having to make a couple, of, at least one call up here, it can be retroactive to the day they were injured. So that comes into play as well. Um, so seven, so that's seven days from the time the retroactive date that happens a lot in the NHL. So in this case, uh, I would expect McDonough to go on injured reserve because technically there were three scratches last night, McDonough, Gaunce, and Stamkos. And a Stamkos, if they have to put Stamkos on IR to open up a spot, and we don't know the extent of what's going on with Sorelli or Kucherov, but in a in a what-if scenario, Stamkos would be retroactive to Saturday's game, which means he would have to miss a minimum at least one more game, and that would be tomorrow night against Edmonton. So uh, that's how all that Plays out uh, from the handle is Lightning Hockey, One Bolt Nation. Uh, who do you think gets called up if Kucherov's really Stamkos injuries are long-term? Um, and that ties in with uh, the Lightning Man's question. Who do you think the next Stevens will be? Basically, who in the Syracuse is knocking on the door for a shot? Um, well, it, Short-term or long-term injuries for either of those players, you need healthy bodies, first of all. You know, you finished the game with only 10 forwards last night. You're only carrying 12 forwards to begin with. So uh, you could always dress 7 and 11 for sure. That's always an option. So you only need technically 11 healthy forwards. But if they do want to go with the 12 and 6, um, you know, you're probably going to have to place at least one of those guys uh, on IR, even if it's a short-term injury. Uh, so we'll see what that plays out tomorrow. But in terms of who could be coming up, uh, if you need a scorer, I think Alex Barry-Boulay might be somewhere. Uh, you know, I talked to Stacy Roos last week on Monday's show about Barry-Boulay, and one of the things that he has mentioned is that Barry-Boulay has become much better at protecting the puck down low and making plays down low. He's got a sniper shot from that left circle. Uh, on the power play, it's a big reason why he led, uh, was tied for the league, uh, league lead last year in uh, power play or goals was because of his presence over there on that circle. 
but he's expanded his game. He now makes plays more more plays down low. He's able to compete in battle with bigger players. He is a smaller player at 5'9", for sure. Uh, so he's somebody to consider. I don't know how close, quote-unquote, he is to knocking on the door, but if you need an offensive player, he's somebody to consider. Um, Jamel Smith, remember he started the season with Tampa Bay. He's not a prospect. He's a he's a more of a veteran player. He's tw I think he's 25. You know, he's got NHL experience. He was with the team to start the year when Braden Point was injured and Cedric Paquette was out. He's played really well for them of late. He's basically taken on number one center duties for Syracuse, which has had certainly issues of their own uh, injury-wise. Uh, those are probably the two names that jump out to me. Uh, but there's also a Boris Kachuk who has been thrust into a center role. He's a winger, but he's been playing center. Uh, and Stacy said that uh, they've been impressed with how he's been able to handle that. Uh, Taylor Radish is somebody to consider. Of course, you have Corey Conacher as well. Uh, again, somebody that you can rely on to come in and bring a spark. You know what Corey Conacher brings. So there's lots of options for Tampa Bay if they have to uh, dip down into the minor leagues, which it sounds like they're going to uh, probably have to again with the uh, reassignment of Alexi Lapanov from Orlando to Syracuse gives you an idea that that's a precursor to another move uh, that is pending uh, official announcement from the team again. Nothing official in terms of injury updates or anything like that, but uh, keep an eye out for sometime around 5 o'clock. We'll probably get a better idea of who it is that's going to be called up. All right, that's going to wrap up today's show. Uh, Greg Linelli tonight, but Lightning Power Play Live has Darren Dreger, TSN Insider, on his show. That's at 6 o'clock. Make sure you check out uh, what Darren Dreger has to say about the trade deadline and how the Lightning might be approaching that from one of the best insiders in the business. Darren Dreger, again, at 6 o'clock with Greg Linelli on Lightning Power Play Live tonight at 6. Thanks to Corey Long for joining the show and fighting through a little bit of a sore throat uh, that he's uh, dealing with. So we appreciate him giving us his time, as always, insight. Lightning are back in action tomorrow night at 7 p.m. against the Edmonton Oilers, the Connor McDavidless Edmonton Oilers, who did beat Chicago last night in their first game without McDavid. Uh, all right, we'll be back with Lightning Lunch tomorrow. Thanks to Connor Zelinski, as always, for making everything together and making it all sound good. So until tomorrow. Bye-bye, everybody.